0: shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turns his face toward face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord's turns face toward you and give you peace.
1: Encouragement to my family since the first time we heard it it's this reminder of hope and this reminder of of a prayer for all families in generations and generations to come the transformation that it could exist and so my hope is that you were encouraged by that moment of worship together and I'm so thankful for our team leading us today My name is Justin Warrens, and it's so great to have you uh, here with us today. If you have been tuning in online, or maybe you've been connected to Kensington for a while, but you haven't taken the next step, we would uh, encourage you to go to kensingtonchurch.org slash hello, or you can text the word hello to the number listed on the screen. Our hope is that our team can can follow up with you, answer any question you have, and help you find a next step uh, and get connected into Kensington in this upcoming season. Now, one of the things that I want to celebrate with our entire community is about our Traverse City campus and their reopening plan for June 14th. But I'd love for you to meet our lead pastor, Joel Leiprant, and have him share a little bit about this reopening plan. Take it away, Joel.
2: Hey Kensington, it's Joel Leprant from the Traverse City campus and I just, I, I just, I'm excited to announce that on June 14th we can get in this building. We're going to have our first gathering of all the Kensington campuses. Traverse City gets to go first and I'm incredibly excited about that. Uh, since coming on staff in March, uh, man, we have faced COVID-19, a health crisis, we faced a financial crisis as a result of the health crisis, and now we are in the midst of a racial crisis in this country. And so on June 14th, we're going to come together as a church. It's going to be the first time that our family is going to be able to interact with this church community uh, here in Traverse City. You know, I've been able to do Zoom calls and phone calls and meet some people that way, but this is going to be the first opportunity we have to actually meet our church family here And so in the midst of everything going on, one of the things that we're going to be asking is what does it look like to be the change? What does it look like to be the church in this time, in this season, with all the crisis um, uh, situations happening in our country? What does it mean to be the people of God, to be change, to be the church? And so listen, this is where you come into play. This is where I would love, I'm asking you, would you pray for us? In the next two weeks, would you pray for us? Would you just sit down, take time out of your day and pray for us that God would, God would pave the way that he would prepare our hearts to meet together as a church? So um, again, June 14th, it's happening here. We're so excited and uh, I just would love it to know that you're praying for us. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Kensington. We love you and we'll see you soon
1: we are so excited for our Traverse City community and I'm sure if you're like me you ask that next question so what does that mean for us in Metro Detroit when are we reopening the building and I just as a reminder our church has has done some incredible things in this past season because we are reminded that the church is a people, and the building is just a place where we can gather, but it's not the only place the church exists. But I know if you're like me, you're excited to seeing old friends, to be able to celebrate and sing together, to encourage one another. And so we are in our reopening plan of phasing in that approach. And so we don't have a date yet, but we are working towards one sooner rather than later, and and we're hopeful that we can share that with you when we have landed that. But right now, we have begun the process behind the scenes planning, working towards it, and phasing in our staff and then phasing in our community in a way that is both safe and loving to our staff and our neighbors as our church comes back together physically as we've been physically distanced. And we look forward to that. Now today, I want to share with you that we're we're stepping into this conversation around the racial tension that has been going on in our community. And it is a conversation between Danny Cox, our lead pastor at Troy, Jalen Seawright, who is our worship arts director at Troy. Jalen's dad is joining us. Jerry and and Steve Andrews and Dave Wilson. In my heart, my hope is that in this conversation, we would all be leaning in and learning and, and having a posture to listen to what the conversation is unfolding before us. At the same time, I have to be honest, it's a real and raw and vulnerable conversation. And so for those of you that are parents that are wondering, how do I have this conversation with my kids? We have some resources at our Candidate Church Facebook page that you can jump on and you can grab some of those resources and our team will continue to support you there as well. But I am really excited that we are stepping into this conversation today because it is a conversation that I believe will give a vision to a, a future that all of us get to experience the beautiful picture of the kingdom of God in beautiful ways. And so would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our our friends that are joining us today, having this conversation. May all of us enter into this conversation. Would we listen and learn and lean into the conversation with an open posture, with a listening posture, Would you speak to our hearts? And would you allow your spirit to transform us so that we can see your kingdom advance in the most beautiful and powerful ways? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: my constant in the chaos. You're my compass when the road seems long. You're my portion never failing for me only Jesus. Let my heart one But you, just you, let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. The riches of this world could never satisfy Let my heart want for only you. You're my center, should I want? You're my future And you redeem my past Every moment And then forever For me only Jesus
4: tell you what the lyrics of that song for me for me only Jesus is the foundation of this church the foundation of us and I tell you what with the events swirling around in our world in the last couple months and even the last 10 days Jesus is our only hope and that foundation is the only thing we have to know how to treat our fellow human beings. Yeah I,
5: gr- I grew up in a church in Memphis Tennessee and we sang about only Jesus, but we didn't let it affect that much the way we treated people, particularly people that were other or different from us. And I think I felt such an incredible sorrow that Jesus ought to make us so open hearted, you know, to every every living being. And today, and today we get to talk about that. Yeah, we're so, gonna have a
4: conversation about how to treat your fellow fellow human.
5: Yeah, and it's it's a beginning. It's obviously we're not we're not gonna get to to the end of this, but it's gonna be heartfelt and really wanna encourage uh, you folks out there, parents out there with your kids. Um, our uh, Kensington Kids team has created a wonderful page with a ton of resources for parents and kids to be able to talk about this. And uh, you'll see it on the screen. And I, and I would add, talk about this. This can't be
4: just, a, this needs to be a discussion between parents and kids. And I would encourage a lot of you parents to have your
5: kids in the room watching. Yeah. If there's one thing I learned from this guy, it's talk. Yeah, to he you. hasn't learned anything from it's me. Talk to your kids <laughs> sooner than you think. Yeah. That's what you. That's what I learned from you. Be be real. Tell the truth. It will pay pay huge dividends. So please take advantage of that. Also at this time, because uh, Dave and I are going to introduce Jalen and Danny in a minute to lead the brunt of this message, we also wanted to receive our offering, and I wanted to take a minute and say. Thank the last you. three mo- minutes. the last three minutes, last three months, <laughs> three minutes have been good too. Last three months of sheltering, the giving has been, I think, remarkable. It's, it's been really humbling. It's
4: really been, it's blown us away. And we yeah. just say thank you. And we invite you to continue to do that. But it's been a blessing.
5: Yeah, we've been able to uh, invest probably an extra $100,000 towards our partners around the world that are really suffering with no margin. And the people, of Kensington serving this last three months is, man, it's just really humbled my heart like maybe maybe, any, nothing I've ever seen, so thank you for that and we appreciate that. So as uh, as we receive the offering, just you can you can see it on the screen, but there's easy ways to give. Uh, we love each week seeing brand new brand new people giving online. It's easy to do, so take take advantage of that as well. So so let's talk about today.
4: Yeah, I think we need to start here. Um, I'm sure many of you probably felt what I felt. I know Steve felt when I watched the video of George Floyd's death. I wept. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching and for how long. And one of the things we want to say today is in 30 years of leading Kensington, we often have not talked about these kind of issues how do we treat our fellow brother how do we treat those that are different than us how do we as white people treat black people people of color how do we love them and that video has caused a response in the world that i think is waking up a lot of us and in some ways i want to say i'm sorry as one of the leaders at kensington for the last three decades that we haven't talked about this enough i was Just reminded this morning by the Lord as I was looking at Scripture of a a story we've all heard many times. I don't have time to develop it, but it's in Luke 10. Many people are familiar with it. It's called the Good Samaritan story, but it's basically a, a person is beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. Sounds pretty familiar. And two religious people walk by. They don't want to get involved because that will cause them to be unclean. And the person that you don't expect to help, who's an outcast, who's uh, Raciously profiled away, he has not accepted. The Samaritan. He's hated. The hated yeah. Samaritan. Yeah, he steps in, not only sees him, but takes care of him at his own personal cost. And I feel like the Lord was saying to me, "Is is I've done that as a leader at Kensington? I haven't spoken up. I haven't led well. To say what do we do when we see our black brothers and sisters dying on the streets? I mean." Black lives matter. I know all lives matter, but if I'm on the beach with my three sons and one of them's in the water drowning, I'm going to leave the two on the beach that are safe to save the one that's drowning. Do the two on the beach matter? Of course they do, but there's one drowning. And I've realized, I've known this for decades. Our black brothers and sisters have been drowning for 400 years or more in this country. And often, we decided we're just not going to talk about that. We don't want to, I don't know exactly, but we've just been been quiet. and. I think it's a new day that we need to say, how should we respond? How does the church step into this? How would a person made in the image of God treat other people made in the image of God? We need to see, we need to step in and act, and we need to love.
5: I think that really says it, and I'd illustrate it this way. Um, 27 years ago, Paula, my wife, said to me, She said, I'm not gonna divorce you, but I don't see anything in this marriage for me. And that started us on this terrible five-year journey. But here's the interesting thing that struck me this week. After she told me that, I spent the next six months arguing with her about really the fact that we really had it good. Like, I, I wouldn't hear her heart. I kept arguing. No, no, look at, look at our kids. Look at our life. Look at what we're doing for Christ in the world. And yeah, I, I,
4: I was a part of that time.
5: I, he did that. Yeah, because da- Dave said, Dave asked me to rate my marriage. And I said, well, I'm going to rate it like a 10. He said, doesn't matter what you rate. It only matters what Paula rates. Well, she rated it a less than a one. And so I took six months trying to say, hey, no, it's great. And then I spent six months, again, getting nowhere trying to argue with her that she really had it good. Like, like, okay, I'm not perfect, but, but but can't you be thankful for the good things? And it wasn't until about two years into it that I started listening to her heart. It hit me this week. I know this for a fact, that black people have been longing for us to listen without formulating an answer. My marriage changed when I started listening without formulating an answer. Just to listen and understand, and I've been praying for all of us who are white today, that the Lord would open our hearts, and for all of you that wanna formulate an answer and send an email, whatever, I mean, you can do that. But I'm just saying to sit in silence with God and with with other people. And as I was thinking about this apology, I wanna apologize to Sherrod Head, and Terry Smith, and Rogers Emery, And Jesse Joseph and Jeannie McKinney and all the black people I grew up with for not not understanding and not not being committed to do what Jesus did, which was Jesus always stepped in for the marginalized. And this was really what he did. And I want to say I thank God for Danny Cox and uh, for our whole team. I love that we're starting to gain a sense of of the beauty of all peoples of the earth and I'm super thankful. God's brought Mm Jalen C. as an unbelievable gift and today we get to hear from them and it's gonna begin with I'm praying that there are thousands of us right now that are gonna listen to Jalen's heart because I promise you Mm -hmm. what he's saying is what every black man and black woman I know personally feels at the core and I'm praying that we're gonna listen with open hearts.
6: I'm not just another angry black man. My father grew up in the inner city of Pontiac, Michigan. Black is who he is, black is what he knows. He did not know a father of his own and he grew up with very little means. But even fewer than his means were his opportunities to find success. Well, if you haven't noticed already, I too am another black man. A black man who was raised by his father. A father who passionately dedicated his life to the future of my success. Growing up, when I opened the closet in my bedroom, I had clothes. When I went to the kitchen and opened the refrigerator, there was food. When I hit the switch, the lights turned on. When I turned the knob on the bathroom faucet, the water flowed out. I was loved. If you know anything about the inner city, then you know that for people like my father, it's nearly impossible for them to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make it out. You see, here's where it gets interesting. When people like my father make it out, they enter into a new world. And my father entered into this new world and chose to start a family. He had to live with the reality and the fact that his family would never be viewed as contributing members to society, but rather as an exception to the rule, an anomaly of sorts. I myself would be labeled and viewed as a black man who was not like the rest of them. I have seen the face of inequality and I have felt the sting of racism. I've been called a nigger more times than I can count. I promise you, I'm not another angry black man. I just want people of color to be seen. Currently, our world is in the middle of a pandemic. Here in the US, there have been over 1.3 million confirmed cases of COVID-19. And tragically, over 83,000 of those cases have resulted in death. One fact that cannot go ignored is that communities of color have been disproportionately affected by this virus, especially in our inner cities. Currently here in the state of Michigan, African Americans account for 40% of the deaths related to COVID-19, whereas the Caucasian community accounts for 50%. Now those numbers may seem relatively even, but if we take into account the fact that African Americans only make up 14.1% of Michigan's population, whereas Caucasian Americans make up 79.3%, those numbers begin to tell an extremely different story. Why is there so much disparity in these statistics? Well, I believe there are many different reasons. And COVID-19 gives us yet another lens by which to view the bigger picture of the injustices that have plagued our country since its founding. Injustices that include lack of adequate healthcare, lack of economic and educational opportunity, overcrowded housing, and poverty. I do not believe that COVID-19 is racist. In fact, I believe that is a lie. COVID-19 sees no color and it attacks anyone it can get its hands on, especially the vulnerable and at risk. I'm here to tell you that it is the people and the communities within our inner cities that are the most vulnerable and the most at risk. I promise you, I'm not just another angry black man. I just want people of color to be seen. Facts and figures are one thing, but the key question is, how does this affect each and every one of us personally? I know for me, I'm personally connected to over 70 people who have been positively diagnosed with COVID-19. And of those 70 people, 21 of them are no longer with us. It is my personal belief and opinion that if we lived in a more just society, not all of them would have had to lose their lives. Now, I recognize that for some of you listening to this, this might be a tough conversation to have. For some of you, I may be saying too much, and for others of you, I may not be saying enough. But what I will say is this, if we believe the words that are written in our country's constitution, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, then we believe that we belong to the same race. That is the human race. And if we believe what the word of God teaches us, that we are all made in the image of God, then we believe that we belong to the same body, and that is the body of Christ, If we believe that we belong to the same race and the same body, then it is a dignified truth that we belong to each other. It no longer is about pointing the finger to define who is right and who is wrong, but it's about action. The action related to the care and the support of one another. If you're listening to this today, I want you to know that I deeply love and care for each and every one of you. I think the question for me and many other people that look like me in this country, is do you love and do you care about us? I promise you, I'm not just another angry black man. I just want people of color to be loved.
7: Well, we're here in New Life Community Church here in Pontiac. And we're here with Jalen Seawright, who is our worship director for our Troy campus. And then we have a bonus Seawright. This is Pastor Jerry Seawright. Uh, grateful to be with This is uh, Jalen's father. He is the pastor of this church. You're bivocational. Oh yeah. So you work for Oakland County. Uh, but we have the pleasure of actually being live uh, in this church, a church that you actually uh, discovered Jesus in, that you mm-hmm. grew up in Jalen, and now we're here and we're in. And actually for Kensington, uh, this is the first time, and that's what's been so weird when I saw you, I was like, wow, this is the first time I've been this close to Jalen uh, in almost three months. So mm-hmm. this is our first time we've been this close. We're socially distanced, uh, but, but I was grateful. I, I actually was really emotional when I saw you. I was like, because because of this time, we know how, uh, you know how much tumult has been happening. And you heard that even in this video that we're gonna talk about in a minute. It's been so much happening and there's such a desire in my heart and in our hearts to be close to our community. And it's hard to just be Zoom calls and it's hard to be distant because in these times when there's so much emotion happening, you wanna be able to hold hands and pray and cry and do all those things uh, and laugh and worship. And so it was just beautiful that we could be together uh, in this time. That video that we just watched of you was made a few weeks ago. And it was birthed out of something that I came to you and said, hey, would you write a blog? And part of that was you shared your heart uh, that COVID-19 has hit the black and brown community in a disproportionate way. And even when you gave that statistic that you know 70 people in your inner circle that actually have been affected by this and 21 of them losing their life, and I started thinking about my circle, and the numbers are minuscule compared to that. Um, you, know, there were, you started writing this blog, and in the midst of that, uh, things happened and changed, and so since you even did that, things have changed. I'd love you to to speak a little bit to that.
6: Yeah, you know, at, at the time of doing that, and I, you know, I really appreciate Mike Mullinix for shooting that, you know, yeah. with me and allowing me to express myself that way. But it was really just a a, a way that I felt like I, I needed to get across my heart that just by putting pen to paper wouldn't do. Uh, I felt like I wanted people to be able to to see my face in order to really. Hear my heart. And things have drastically changed since then. I mean, like since then, there have been over 100,000 deaths here uh, due to COVID. And honestly, since then, in the case of, you know, George Floyd, at that time that I recorded that video, he could breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, uh, kind of thinking about that video, it, it's been a lot of pain, a lot more pain since, I, since I've shot that video.
7: Yeah, it's been a lot of pain, and for for most of you, I'm sure you had to watch that video of George Floyd, and to see the knee on the neck for eight and a half minutes, and to watch someone plead for their life, and for the first five minutes, as the community around there is pleading for their life, his life, and then watch over the next three minutes just silence. And boy, this is just a heart wrenching, <laughs> heart wrenching uh, video to watch, and so. Uh, in light of that, there's so much tension and there's so much racial tension that's happening at this time. And um, so we really you know, wanna address that today. We wanna talk about that as honestly as we can. Uh, there's a lot to this, so we're not gonna solve everything in a, just a few minutes, but we wanted to at least gather and talk honestly. And here's what I would say to our community. Many times when we talk about these types of issues, right away they become politicized. And even now, you might be thinking, okay, wow, look at Kensington. Look at what Danny's doing. It's pushing it to the, the, to the left. You're, you're buying into the liberal agenda. You know, it's identity politics. Here's what I would ask you today, in this moment. Could we put those things aside? Could we put all of that aside? And can we really look at the scriptures? Can we really look at the idea of the gospel Can we think about how Jesus, when he walked the earth, would step into some of the most tension-filled places? Yes, even places of racial tension. Whether it would be a Samaritan woman at the well, or like Dave said, the good Samaritan story, Jesus is always stepping in to the in-betweens. He was a repairer of broken walls. He was a restorer of streets. He was something that would challenge it. This isn't a political topic. This is a gospel topic. This Mm -hmm. topic is about humanity. And so today we're talking about humanity and remember Jesus came in human form. That's important. Jesus lived in our humanity and expressed how we can live the best in our humanity. So that's what we're really uh, gonna look at today. Uh, Jalen, I would love you to to open us up in a a word of prayer and then we'll jump in. Mm
6: -hmm. Yeah. Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for this community. And Lord, I'm grateful for the heart that you've placed in this community. I'm grateful for uh, my leaders. I'm grateful for the leaders of our movement. I'm grateful for Dave, Steve, Mark, Danny. I'm grateful for uh, just the way that they're leading us. I'm, I am also extremely grateful for this time. I'm grateful for my father. I'm grateful for the way that he has you know, raised me, continues to walk beside me. And Lord, ultimately, I just ask that you... Uh, you soften the hearts in our community. If there's anyone watching or anyone in the midst of these conversations who who may not be in the position where they can hear, I'm asking that you do a miracle and that you open the hearts and open the ears and open the eyes of people so that they can hear the fullness of your gospel. Lord, we love you and we know that ultimately you are the giver, the creator, and the bringer of peace. And that is what we need in these times. We need you to be the bringer of peace. We need you to be the Prince of Peace. Lord, uh, we thank you, and we thank you for the hope, the hope that we all can have because Jesus did die for humanity. And Lord, help us to press into that hope today. Guide our thoughts, guide our words, and soften and open our hearts. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Amen.
7: Well, Jerry, mm-hmm. this, as we sit in this building, and you, this has been mm-hmm. closed up, so you opened all this up for us, and, you know, this is a place that is very special to you. Oh, yeah. So I'd love yeah. to, you to just talk just a minute about that, and Jalen, you too. I mean, this is your place that, of faith that you grew up in, but mm-hmm. what does this mean to just be back in this building for a second?
8: Yeah, I, it's home. It's definitely home. I, every time I come into this building, I think of being uh, right about center, center aisle there when I was about 16 years old and uh, I heard a message and at the end of that message, the speaker said, come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't stay there in that seat. I just came and I almost just ran up, <laughs> honestly. And um, from that time on, I've never left, uh, I never left a side and uh, I've stayed here at this church Raised my family at this church as well. Um, Jalen came up uh, playing, running around, and then all of a sudden he stopped running and he began to try to play on the piano as well. So um, it's a lot of precious memories here.
9: Yeah,
7: for sure.
6: Yeah, I I remember uh, Friday nights, like a lot of kids get to have fun on Friday nights, (laughs) but I was here at (laughs) choir rehearsal because you were directing all the music and, and we used to have games where we'd Army crawl under these pews all the time until we got caught and got in trouble. <laughs> and, uh, no, I mean this is this is home for me, and, and honestly, being beside my father um, mm. right now in this way is a, a dream that I I didn't think I'd see for a long time, mm. especially if you're talking about something like this. Um, and so, uh, mm. and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be in this place and to and to talk about this. Yeah, me too.
7: Oh, yeah. It's really yeah. grateful yeah. and. Yeah. So I would, I, you know, I'm gonna ask you a pretty benign question, mm. you know, but I think it's, it's important. Um, there is so much happening right now and there's so much racial tension that is lifted. Jalen, you and I have talked for I don't know how many hours. I can't even count the number of hours over the last three years of doing ministry together. Uh, but in this time is a very particular time. It feels like a time where so many things globally are converging. Mm. And I really do believe that scripture is saying that, that there's something new emerging. I, I believe that can happen, but
9: mm. there's
7: so much pain right now, yeah. uh, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, I was born July 23rd, 1967, the day of the Detroit riots. I was mm. born in Pittsburgh, but I was born on the day of the riots. Uh, sometimes it feels like it just keeps coming back around. And so my, my question to you is, how are you feeling? As you sit here, how is your community feeling? How are you processing some of this stuff? And, I don't know, Jerry,
8: I'd love to hear your heart on that. Boy, Danny, that's a, that's a powerful uh, question for me. Um, I'll start by saying I feel grateful. Hmm. Um, I have one son. One. And the reality is, is that um, each day I pray for his safety. Um, another reality to me is that uh, I'm grateful because... I could be communicating with you, planning a funeral, hmm. and we could be talking about how I lost my son. Yeah. So it uh, pulls at my my heart when I think of what's going on, and uh, and I think of uh, always his safety, and um, and he's dear to me, and. Um, I'm thinking about uh, these recent incidents. I think of um, how we had conversations in the past, uh, just to make sure that he comes home, um, and that's uh, my reality. So I'm grateful. The second thing is I'm I'm grateful that we're having conversation.
7: Yeah, me too. Because the
8: the the conversation needs to continue. I know that a lot of folks say. Hey, why are we continuing to talk and just rehash things? To be honest, uh, with me, if the conversation stops, then um, I think that's when you know you're really in trouble. Yeah. So the communication needs to continue on. We need to talk this thing out. It's like a, it's like a married couple going into therapy. You know, mm-hmm. they they need to continue to do the work, and that's what. Uh, conversing is. And lastly, I'm tense. I feel the tension. I feel the tension because I truly believe that uh, I stand almost between two worlds. Um, I feel, I know the truth of Christ. I know that the word is true. But then I'm wondering how do I um, reach others? With this message, and so that they can see that uh, Christ, He's the answer. He's the solution.
7: Absolutely. Yeah.
6: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, no, I'm, I mean to steal what you said. What you said. <laughs> uh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful as well, but I'm grateful for the talks. Mm. I'm grateful for the conversations that uh, my parents had with me. Uh, and because, honestly, growing up, I mean, I, I had a tendency to, to, to lose my cool a lot, things like that. And, and uh, in certain situations, mm. that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be OK. And uh, I, I'm really grateful for the way m- my parents raised me. I'm even grateful for the parts and decisions that they made that I didn't agree with. <laughs> you know, And so, but ultimately, uh, that led to, you know, uh, create, I think, the man that I am today, who still has breath in his lungs. And Mm -hmm. and so in a lot of ways they gave me life and through teaching me, they saved my life. Um, So I'm extremely grateful as well. I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for you. Uh, And I want you to hear that as well. I'm grateful for your leadership of me over these past three years. I'm grateful for the way that you've loved me and the way that you've seen me and that you haven't allowed anything to cloud your view of my heart. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt safe, I felt seen. And, and I just want to, to say to you, I'm grateful to be in this community and I'm grateful to have a leader like you. Um, and and I, I, in a way, there are times that uh, I feel hopeless yeah, and man. I would say that is a part of the dance that I'm having right now in my own self. Uh, there are moments where I cling to hope, like when we're having these conversations. Yeah. And then when I turn on the news, there are moments where I say there is no hope. Yeah. And then I have to reconcile with myself that, you know, I serve a God who is above all things and in all things and continues to work through all things yeah. mm-hmm. and so even though if i see the way through is impossible like there are moments right now when i watch an eight and a half minute video yeah. of a knee in a, in a man's neck cutting off his ability to breathe that feels hopeless yeah I know. right but um mm-hmm. I, I am praying for um i'm praying for what god can do and i haven't lost faith uh so therefore I can count on the fact that I do have some sort of hope, but I'm, I'm dancing right now
7: between
6: hope and despair in a lot of ways.
7: Yeah, and I, I feel that. I mean, uh, I appreciate your words, but you've been such a great blessing to me. Your son's been an incredible blessing to <laughs> so the Kensington community, and our conversation has been rich, but uh, talk is beautiful, but there's this point where we have to have a vision to move into something new—that's true—that That's true. Uh, we have to. We and, and Christ is the answer; the, the, He is at the center of it. Uh, but how do we embrace that? And w- you know, one of the scriptures that we've been leaning on a lot—and I know this is an important scripture for you, Jalen—but one of the scriptures we've been leaning on a lot, and we want to share with you. In fact, I, I would ask you, mm-hmm. um, Jerry, if you could read that. But uh, we want to press into Ephesians too, because. Ephesians 2 really is this beautiful picture of what we believe God has in store for us. This, what, we defined it as a new humanity. What does it look like to have a new humanity? We're going through these horrific acts of violence and hatred. That is not the gospel. And, and when Jesus came, in fact, we're in this series called Signs. And we extended it one week. And we want to look at the resurrection of Jesus. What it means for Jesus to go to the cross to give his life to, to, to have three days in the tomb and then have the tomb be empty and Jesus resurrecting, overcoming death. There's so many implications to that. I mean, there are countless implications to that truth. But one of them is spoken so beautifully in Ephesians 2 because it gives a vision of what the cross really means. And Jerry, I would love for you to share that scripture.
8: Yes, okay. Beginning at verse 11 of the second chapter, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly... You are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who are called or call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh
7: To me, that's that's the that's the picture of the cross as a picture of yeah. why Jesus came. He's speaking to a church in Ephesus. Hmm. Some think he's actually speaking to a region of churches, not just the one. Some uh, theologians and historians believe he was teaching he was teaching this to a lot of churches, and he's summing it up to this beautiful idea that Christ is our peace. He yeah. <laughs> doesn't say Christ yeah. is going to give you peace or he offers peace. He's actually saying Christ is. Our peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at two different groups of people, in a lot of ways, one with privilege.
9: Mm.
7: And mm. you know, that's being held up in a very exclusive mm. and all the others around without. Yeah. And then he's saying, Listen, just so you know, Christ isn't just for you, it's for mm-hmm. all of humanity.
9: Yeah.
7: And it shatters that. And, and and what is that? Then Christ enters into our peace and then draws us together. And so once you were far away, once you were excluded, once you were a foreigner, Mm -hmm. you know, once you were over here, now guess what? Now you're drawn together in Christ. Now you're one humanity. Well, that process uh, Mm -hmm. is the dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I read that scripture as uh, a white privileged person Mm -hmm. in the West. And I have a version of what humanity looks like. But then when you and I talk, Jalen, you read that scripture. And it's very different. And I think that's something that that I would challenge our community on. The one part about reading scripture and the one part about following Jesus is all of us have a lens that we see the gospel through. All of us have it. And I would challenge all of us. I would say even some of the work that you can do is to say, what lens do you see Jesus through? For me, I see it through male, white,
9: Mm.
7: American, educated, privileged, Wealthy by world standards, top one, two percent of the world.
9: Mm.
7: Now I see Jesus through that lens and I have to acknowledge that lens. But I need you, I need you to show me your lens so our lens are wider. So we learn that in this scripture because as you see, you see the humanity part much different than I see. I I just Mm. assume the humanity Mm. and I assume I'm part of that because of that, the way that I see Jesus. But yeah. Mm.
6: You know, in, in the context of, uh, especially where we are today, I mean, for me, I grew up asking a lot of questions. And I, I mean, I was the, the kid in the back of my dad's car that, hey, why? You know, why? <laughs> I, was like, I was always asking why. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I, I'm, I continue to be that way in my adulthood. And so for right now, it's like a, a lot of, I try to gain as much context around this stuff by asking, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take long to go back into the history of our very country, you know, to realize that, you know, humanity wasn't something, a title that was afforded to people of color, mm-hmm. uh, especially through the African slave trade. There were a lot of people and a lot of leaders and teachers and professors and things like that, that dedicated a lot of their times of research to, to proving that the African slave was less than human. There was even one published journal that said that the African slave was the link between the primate and the Caucasian. And so for me, it's like I see the gospel through the lens of Ephesians 2 and 3. uh, But, you know, I understand that in order for that to apply to me here in our context, I need for everyone to be able to see me as part of that humanity. Right. And so I struggle with that because mm-hmm. I really do believe that deep down at times, right, there are things that we can be spoon fed without even knowing it. And I know you're going to get into this, too. Yeah. But uh, there, there are things that we can grow up learning and we've lost the true meaning of why we've done it. You know? yeah. And part of that is is the depiction and the narrative of the black community. I think that it has been wrongly painted in a lot of ways and it's led to where we are today. And so, I mean, I could talk all day about that specific place in history, but the thing is, is, is as well, is like a lot of people don't realize that like there are so many cycles that have gone on. And so in this whole humanity thing, this isn't the first time that we've crossed this idea of, right. can I be part of that humanity too? Can the gospel apply to me too? After the Civil War, it was the same cry. And all of a sudden, people don't really realize that in 1870, black men could vote. Mm. But then quickly, 10 years later, through different movements within our country, that was taken away and Jim Crow entered. Mm. And so then all of a sudden, you get into another fight again, which leads up into the Civil Rights Movement, where black people again are saying, will you consider me part of that humanity too? Mm. Will you share your kingdom with me? And then all of a sudden there's, some, there's some, some improvement, a lot of improvement. People gave their lives like Dr. King and things like that so that I can afford some of the opportunities that I'm able so that I can sit with you mm-hmm. and work in an organization alongside you mm-hmm. and, and not have to worry about whether it's legal or not. Mm-hmm. And then we push mm-hmm. into where we are today. And I think it's the same question on the table. Can I be part of your humanity too? Can mm-hmm. the gospel apply to me too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really my lens through the way that I see Ephesians 2 and 3 is that it's not accept, accessible to me until the majority says that I'm human. Wow.
9: Yeah.
7: yeah. Do, do you have, mm. when you think about Ephesians 2 and the new humanity, do you have thoughts on that, Jerry?
8: You know, yeah, I'm, I'm still digesting what this uh, <laughs> deep brother is saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, just short, I, I can just say this that. Uh, you know, it, it talks of, of how Christ accomplished this great work for us on our behalf to, to bring two opposing sides together. And I'm just thinking, you know, it, it's got to be something to that because he could have just saved us and took us on to heaven. But it's got to be something to that why he kept us down here to be together, to work together, to to learn how to be one. And that's what, um, um, that that really impresses me, impresses upon me uh, when I read um, Ephesians 2 and 3.
7: Yeah, and the the community rooted in that truth Mm -hmm. should be the community that leads the way. Yeah. You know, when I think about our Kensington community, I think about our Troy community that... That we're a big part of, but I think about all of a Kenzie community. It's a, it's it's a burgeoning intercultural community.
9: Mm-hmm.
7: You know, there are there are a lot of different uh, ethnicities, there are a lot of different cultures, a lot of different colors. <laughs> and when that happens, when all of a sudden you start to get this beautiful diversity that stands in front of you, then all of a sudden the gospel starts to look wider, yeah. and these scriptures start to take mm-hmm. a different meaning. And mm-hmm. and but it is amazing what you said that. Why is that peace so hard for people that are actually rooted in the Prince of Peace? Mm. Mm. Why is that peace Mm. so hard when Jesus says, I am your peace? Well, I'm following Jesus. You're following Jesus. You're following Jesus. Like, how is that so hard, even within the church context, to grab a hold of that? And there are systematic things that fight against that in this world. And Paul actually says that in the beginning of Ephesians 2. He's saying, you're following the ways of the world. You were following all of these things. But now, in Christ, you have a different way to think. Mm-hmm. And so there's many things that have permeated our being, and I can just say that for myself. And we've talked very openly about this, you know? Um, there are things that have permeated my being that, that hinder that, and we have to be able to look at those things and be honest. In fact, a friend of mine sent me, sent me this quote, and it challenged me, and I hope, and I hope it challenges you too. It says, those of us who have grown up white, and there's quotes around the white, meaning it's not so much a pigment of our skin, but actually just our circumstance of privilege and power, whatever that may be. Hmm. It says, those of us who have grown up white have no idea how blind we are to our own racism because it is deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in us. And it says this, as Jesus said, this kind of darkness comes not out except through prayer, and fasting, and then this is a line that challenges me, fasting above all, from thinking the thoughts we've always thought and the way we've always thought them.
9: Mm.
7: And I've held on to that uh, really deeply. And what I've done this past few weeks is I've sat and I started to think, what are those thoughts? What is, are there things in me that are deep, 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 deep down
9: mm. Mm.
7: that make me not a person of full peace and reliance on Jesus? Uh, one person said that, that systematic racism and division come very slowly and very much like a little poison in water. In fact, I think he said like arsenic in water. You're drinking it, you don't know you're drinking it, but it's there. Mm. So I started thinking about that and I asked God, what are the things, was there stuff that I've been indoctrinated in as well as a white person? And I'm just gonna be honest, you know, and I, I have said this to you, like I'm being dishonest all the way up to this point. <laughs> I'm actually gonna be like, you know, but one of those uh, was God brought a, a rhyme to my brain and he said, do you remember when you were little, you know, this is a thought I had, and you'd pick people for a game and what was your rhyme that you would say? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch an enter by the toe. If he hollers, mm. let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pick the person. Mm. Well, we said that as children in the neighborhood um, wow. that language wasn't used in my home, but it was just in the neighborhood. Wow. And, and I thought about that rhyme, and I thought, wow, you know, and, and then I thought about, even as a young, young kid, I would hear uh, the talk in the neighborhood was, we were all white neighborhood, and, you know, if you allow uh, a black person or family to come into your neighborhood and buy a home, the value will go down, so whatever you do, <laughs> don't let blacks move in. Think mm. about that. Wow. Think about those kinds of things that I was indoctrinated in, that thought. When it says sometimes we don't know, I'm not living that out now, you know, but, mm-hmm. but it's still there. Yeah. It's still part of my story. Yeah. And that's the kind of work that I think presses against the peace of God and this vision of new humanity. We have these, these underlying currents that have to be rooted out and, and really, really pressed against, you know? Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. And I, I think that, um, you know, for me listening to you is, is I believe that that is the thing that, you know, those are the kinds of conversations that we should be having is, is, is we should each be searching down, examining our heart and saying, hey, what, what's in there? You know, yeah. what's in there? And, you know, because the thing is, is the certain situ- the, the right just the right situation or the right circumstance could bring it popping back up just like that. Exactly. It can research right you know mm-hmm. And so um, what, what I think that the job for each of us is to do exactly what you're saying is think back, examine your heart, you know press in ask, the, ask those questions like what what's in there yep. what is what is going on in there? And I'll say this it's like I know uh, you you use the term uh, privilege, but like I, I want you to hear me as a as a black man, okay mm-hmm. And so like that's a word that is extremely charged and yeah. some of you might be writing me off, because I'm black, speaking on this. But here's what I I have to say about it, is this. If you accept the fact that the African-American slave was not considered human, and if you realize that slavery was actually an institution used to provide economic success to the system that has built this great nation, what that says is, is that The system was never built to serve me. I was built to serve the system. So in essence, privilege simply says that we are living in a creation, in a created organization in a way where I am asking, can I no longer be part of what makes the system work? And can the system benefit me like it benefits you? Yeah, can you have full privilege? Yeah, can, okay. so can I enjoy that privilege too? Right. It's not a shame thing in any way. No. It's just bringing light to a reality that because of how the, our relationships have been over the past 400 years, I am in a position where I can't share in the full humanity as you share. And so I, I hope you hear my heart, and I hope you know that it's it's out of love, and I'm not promoting any sort yes. of shameful thing whatsoever. Absolutely. But truly, it's just asking for a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah,
7: mm-hmm. exactly right. Mm. Being part, of the full part of the body, yeah. you know, and mm. that's what I that's what I love about the rest of the scripture. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access. Yeah. Right. We both have access right. to the Father by one spirit. Mm -hmm. And it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And now we we are family. Mm -hmm. We're members of the same house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, I love this vision, in him the whole building is joined together Mm -hmm. and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. This is actually uh, something, this is the first time That it was spoken out, that the church wasn't a building. Mm. Paul's actually pressing against the idea that God was living in this temple and everything surrounded that temple culturally. And Paul, now, this may be one of the very first times where he's pressing against the idea and saying, Do you understand that the church is no longer a building? It is the people, and it is a diverse people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is one body. With an organism. It is one body. I love the image that you gave of your sister about the body and that. Can you just share that with us?
6: Yeah, my sister, Kayla, she's the nerd of the family. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but
7: literally, I say she took the, the brains from
6: both me and my younger <laughs> sister, and all the brains from my parents went right to her. <laughs> wow. I mean, she's in she's in med school right now. I believe this is our third year, right? Yep. Yeah, third year, and, and i super super proud of all that she's accomplished as a black woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about wounds, because that's what Kayla likes to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing is, is one thing she mentioned is she said, hey, when when we get a cut or if you stub your toe on the side of your bed, you know, while walking in the dark, right, there's a bunch of things that happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, is from the moment that wound or that the stubbing of your toe happens, Right. Pain, nerve signals send all kind of pain receptors up your spine to your brain, right? Blood begins to rush to that area. Your lungs begin to work because you scream out things <laughs> that you didn't know you could scream out, you know? And, and you, you respond and your whole body begins to react and respond. And so as we were talking about that, I said, wow, I think that's the same way that, you know, the church should view the full humanity, right? Really? If you truly believe that I am part of this body that makes up the full body of Christ, then if one area of the body is hurting, then the rest of the body needs to respond to the pain of that area. Exactly. And so the thing is, is also, if you leave a wound un- unattended to, right? Infection can set in. Right. And then it compromises the rest the of the body. body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, my heart is, is that, hey, you know, Let's all rush to the hurting places in humanity yes. because we need each other in order to promote health within the body of Christ. We won't get the gospel out effectively <laughs> until we care for our entire body. No if question. I'm limping with one foot <laughs> because I've compromised the
7: other foot, the gospel moves slower.
6: Right. Mm. That's, how, that's how I feel
0: about
7: it. No, and I, lo- I, I absolutely love that image and it, it backs up Ephesians 3.6. And then, uh, let me read this, and then I would love you to to talk about some action steps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ephesians 3, 6 says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And so that's really, that's our heart. When we have these kinds of conversations, when we are speaking as we're speaking, We're trying to really rest in the word of God and say, Jesus, Mm -hmm. what would you have for us in this new humanity? How Mm -hmm. do we function as a church in one body? How do we demolish these walls between us? And how do we move together effectively to really um, proclaim the gospel Mm -hmm. just by the way that we love each other and we care for each other and we welcome each other and we create one body? Amen. Amen. yeah. Yeah. Um, This Normally, in the Kensington style, we want to say, okay, tell us what we gotta do. And we've heard (laughs) a lot of that from you during this time, by the way, from all of our community. Just give us the action steps. You know, like, tell us what we wanna do. it's not that simple. No, it, it's really not. not that simple. And yeah, it is, Danny. It's that simple. <laughs> oh, no, if it Come was on. if it was Dave Wilson, he would give you the three exercises right now, and they would be amazing. <laughs> and we would never forget S-T-E-P. them when we put them on the shirt. Take a step. <laughs> uh, take a step. There you go. There you go. So we're taking a step. Uh, so, but but just share a couple of the ideas that we've been talking about, and that that you know you've been talking about, and challenge challenger. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the first thing as I, as I've been talking through this with you, as I've been talking through mm-hmm. it with mm-hmm. my father a lot as well, I mean, I've really been leaning on him and you in this time just to gather my thoughts because I'm a young millennial dude, you know? So like, I can get wacky up here at times. I understand That's that. That's called you know?
4: a humble brag.
7: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is a humble brag.
6: No, but hey, I got I got these two guys who are mm. able to keep me grounded. But um, <laughs> I think that there are some very simple action steps that we can do. They're simple, but they're hard. Right. And that is first, examine your heart. Really examine your heart. Just like I said before, look deep down inside and find those areas that are not like Christ and, and, and remove them, confess of them and throw them out. Now that's easier than said, of course. But while you're in that process, also do the work. Do the work of, of research. Get to know a little bit about, ask the question why. And once you've asked the question why, ask why again. Mm-hmm. And then when you've asked why again, Ask why again. You know, start, start really peeling back. If all of a sudden, like, your answers to the questions that plague our society are followed by statistical numbers, right? You haven't asked why again. After you have asked why, then examine what you have, what the Lord has given you through both blessing and through your privilege. Bring it to the storehouse and then offer it up. To humanity, How can this serve humanity? Ask the Lord. He's uniquely designed each and every one of you, just like he's uniquely designed every one of us. If it wasn't for the unique design of Dave and Steve and Danny's and all the other pastors and great leaders of this place, this mission would not have been accomplished the way it already has been. Hmm. But if we take into account that we each are uniquely gifted, there are specific things that he's called each of us to. And when we step into that, it's never to build our own kingdoms. It's always to build his kingdom Mm -hmm. that supports one new humanity. Mm -hmm. So when you ask yourself that question, what makes it hard is it might compromise the kingdoms that you have already built. And so then you have to reconcile that. And also be in relationship. Be in relationship. Pursue people. Pursue relationships Mm -hmm. of wisdom. Pursue relationships with people that don't look like you. And I think that's a great action step forward.
7: Yeah, myself. I did too. I yeah. think it's really great action step. Danny. Mm. Well, Dave, Steve,
4: I would love you guys to, yeah. to
7: weigh in. What do you got, bud? Spine.
4: Yeah, I mean, we walked in. Um, I, I just want to say thank you. This conversation, it shouldn't be the beginning, but I hope it's a new beginning
9: yeah.
4: that continues. I mean, sitting in the back of the church watching you guys talk was like, this is the body of Christ. Mm. The beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ, listening to one another. And I'm hoping that's what happens outside of the walls of Kensington forever, that this conversation would continue to happen. And I know as I listen to it, I need to, I need to repent. You know, Jalen, your, your analogy of the wound, we need to be, and you just said it, but I, I want to be a person that rushes to where the pain is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's often, now white people have pain too, but there's pain Right now in people of color. And and we neglected to realize there always has been. But we need to be people that rush to relationship with our neighbors who are different than us and be there so that they can say they see us and they're here to help us. Mm -hmm. Because we can speak up for you in a way that you can't. And I commit to that. I mean, I I started today saying I I repent. I need to repent. And I want to invite Anybody else to do what I'm going to do? I was thinking of uh, David's words in Psalm 51: uh, Created me, God, a new heart, in heart. Yeah. which is what He does through the gospel. But here's what it then says: And mm-hmm. uh, put in me a right spirit. Yeah. So I thought it's really interesting: Is the gospel is vertical, and you, you're you're clean by Him? But if it doesn't go horizontal, what did John say in First John 4? You say you love me, and you don't you hate your brother. You're a liar. So it's yeah. got to go vertical. So it's one thing, and I think that's what we concentrate on. That's good. But now let's. Let's Spread lament, let's yeah. pray a prayer of repentance and say, God, may I be the hands and feet of you to go to my brother mm-hmm. and my sister.
5: I love that. That's good. That's good. I'm, I hope sure. we can do that. I, I've told Jalen this many times, Jerry, but I was pretty ashamed. Mm. The fact that as I've loved being a part of the black community for my whole life, my uh, most important mentors in my childhood were people of color, and um, and I feel so sad that it took four years ago getting a black grandson to finally open my eyes. I remember when Trayvon Martin was killed, I remember thinking, oh, he was probably up to no good, you know, whatever's going on, he's a big guy, mm. you know, he's all hooded up, whatever. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm holding my grandson, he's four now and I'm praying, and I think, Jalen, I think the world is gonna see him differently. I've seen a lot of progress in my life, but we need to see a whole lot more, and I'm inspired by you, and I can't imagine how proud your dad is of you right now. He's probably Mm -hmm. bursting, (laughs) but because your spirit is loving and caring, and it's centered on Christ, and I think it gives me a lot of hope.
7: And I would say, for me personally, and we've had these conversations privately for me personally, absolutely repent. Mm -hmm. Repent of my silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moments when you know the Lord is asking you to step in and you have the privilege to not. And you have my heart. Mm -hmm. You have my heart, Jerry. You have my heart. You have my commitment to, to not be silent. And I repent of that behavior. And repenting, as we know, means we turn away and we walk another way. And this is that moment. This is that moment where we turn and we say, no, we're going another direction. Mm
9: -hmm.
7: And it only has to do with Jesus Christ, the one that actually brings peace. Mm -hmm. That's what it has to do with. So what we thought we would do is uh, we would read maybe statements or prayers of lament, and we're all going to read a few of them, and maybe this is a moment where we can take a breath, and we can have these uh, prayers wash over us, and maybe you'd be able to read them, uh, or listen to them, and let them permeate your heart, and maybe this is a day for some of you, that you're saying, okay, I repent, I move, I'm, I'm going in another direction, so we'd like to share those with you.
5: For all nations, as a part of our lament, through the movement of your spirit, within your church, throughout the world, give comfort and deliverance to all those who long for justice and mercy. In our awareness of pain and suffering, of rejection and oppression, and of unjust social conditions and structures, which we see in every country we're involved in in the world, Break our hearts, Lord, for all that breaks your heart. And lead us beyond our awareness into a life of faithful witness that resists easy answers and refuses to give way to fear and loves mercy and pursues justice and righteousness and walks humbly. Lord, give us a heart to see the beauty of every person of all the nations.
7: For our region and our community Use us to affirm the dignity and value of each person, recognizing the image of God before us. Give us gratitude for a diversity of perspectives. Widen our lenses. Let us see the gospel wide in a humble spirit that seeks first to understand. Grant us eyes to see your spirit moving within our children who are held so precious in your sight. Empowered by your spirit, help us to love all children as you have loved us. Fill those who teach, protect, and watch over our children with your wisdom. Father, we do pray that. We pray that you would hear this prayer and that you would pray, Lord, that we would live into this prayer. This is for
6: our neighbors near and far. Lord, direct our steps past the boundaries of fear that we have allowed to prevent us from loving those next to us. Lord, forgive us for not loving those who call themselves our enemies.
8: Give to us your compassion and vision for our communities and neighborhoods. Empower us to be co-laborers in the work of your kingdom while here on earth until the return of Christ. Keep our eyes continually focused on you, God our Father, who is always faithful and good, God the Son, who saves us, and God the Spirit, who is always with us.
4: I invite you to join us in a personal prayer of repentance. And I invite you to join me and in each one of us to ask God to search our hearts. So let's pray. Father God, I invite you to search my heart. Show me where I have darkness, where I have uh, attitudes maybe that have been a part of me my whole life that I've never confronted toward people. Help me to give those to you. And Jesus, would you give me your heart in your eyes in Christ to see others, especially those not like me, that do not look like me to realize they are made in your glorious image, that we have never, ever laid eyes on a person that doesn't matter to you, and that our brothers and sisters and our neighbors that look different than us matter to you, and they're valuable. And I pray you'd help us to show them value by the way we honor them and stand up beside them. So Lord, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. Give us a a spirit not of timidity or fear, but of courage and a sound mind to speak and to move to where the pain is. May we be your hands and feet. And that's an easy prayer to pray. It's a whole nother thing to do. So Lord, we pray for your resurrection power to live in us, to move us to a new humanity, to create on earth what you have created us to be. One body in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.
6: Hey, I thought it'd be cool to close with this song, a song that I'm sure none of you know, but it's a song that I grew up on and it's called, There's Not a Friend Like the Lowly Jesus. Yeah, real long title. We can talk about that later, but it's a song that is beautiful to me and really speaks, I believe, to where we are in this time in history. And really it speaks to the idea that Jesus took on the very nature of human flesh and humbled himself and I think that the road forward is low and so I believe that we can learn from Jesus in that so I invited Tim to help me sing this song.
10: there's not a friend like the lowly jesus no not one no not one cause none else can heal All our souls diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Cause Jesus. the lowly Jesus